Hi there, casual Trek fans. This is Miles speaking to you from the editing deck in the future. Due to some problems with tachyons, the first few minutes of the episode are not in the best quality. Not to worry, when we stop complaining about Ed Sheeran, the sound quality improves. Funny know how that works. Anyway, we apologize for the inconvenience and we hope you enjoy the episode. Get the cheese to sit back. The doctor should look at it as soon as possible. It is the way in which we propagate our species. Please demonstrate how this is accomplished. So, what's next? Hi, welcome to Casual Trek, Star Trek Rank Review Podcast. We're part of Nerd and Tie and Triples. I'm Miles. I like Hal Nelson. He's Charlie. I like Italo Calvino. He likes Calvino. Yeah. Like- We're doing podcasts on the short treks, and because of Zencaster rules, we have an hour and two minutes to do this. So we're going to try and be as brief and as minute in our words say as usual charlie yeah non-star trek thing what yes <laughs> yes we like things that aren't star trek <laughs> i've i've been reading burn it down by mo ryan it's about the television industry and um fuck how how utterly fucked a lot of it is but also essentially how to grow from there, which by the halfway point of the novel, I need novel halfway point of the book. I needed um, Mo Ryan is a fantastic writer. She makes all of it engaging. It's good. Uh, there are sad things about lost. There are expected things about Saturday night live. And I'd never really paid as much attention to sleepy hollow as I had in this book, but it's all interesting, no matter what you like or don't. As long as you like TV, I guess. Miles, what about you? Non-Star Trek thing. Doctor Who. I finally finished the Sensorides. God, that starts good. And just kind of... By episode six, everyone's like, should we just wrap this up now? And now I'm on Reign of Terror. My favorite pure historical, which takes place during the French Revolution. So at some point, William Hartnell's going to dress up like a Frenchman. Nice. Good. So, next, Short Treks. Short Trek Season 2. You know the deal. You heard the last one, hopefully. Episode 1 is titled Q and A, and it features no Q continuum entities. It aired on the 5th of October 2019, written by Michael Chabon, directed by Mark Pellington. The UK and US number one hits. The UK had Ed Sheeran with Take Me Back to London. No, please no. So you guys can keep him in America. And the US had Lizzo with Truth Hurts. Love Lizzo. This this song, just fine. Ed Sheeran. No! Right. Uh, I'm recapping this in two minutes. In right. Charlie, Q&A, go! Ooh, who's this? Being shown off by some lingering extreme close-ups, like he's a car in a Forza Games E3 trailer. Why is Mr. Spock... Spock beams down to the Enterprise, yells his designation at Uno, who tells him, calm the fuck down, mate. They have a bit of a walk, and she says, you know, science officers should be asking questions, and immediately learns to regret this. Um, After looking at the darkness of Discovery, the brightness of the Enterprise is a joy, right until the pair gets stuck in a turbo lift. Una is evidently someone who hasn't played Mass Effect 1. She pines for lift-based conversations. Again, immediate regret. The technical difficulties mean that she's stuck in there with him for a bit. Engineering's going to work on it, but there are a lot of questions. And these go all the way from um, questions about Pike, questions about aubergines, um, questions about the morality of the Prime Directive, all sorts of stuff. And Una decides, get Spock, give her a boost, have a look at the lift's workings. The questions still continue until something goes wrong. She gets shocked. And she decides to ask, was Spock smiling when he arrived? It's a weird sight, and he offers not to, but she's good with it. You know, you've got to let your freak out occasionally. And she does that by singing Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, 
gets boxing's back. They have a laugh and promise never to speak of this again until they're grappled out on the bridge. Uh, well, out of the lift. On the bridge, Spock enters and Pike goes, hey, what's that new guy like? Una pretends not to know. And when they all look out to space, Pike asks Spock if Vulcans can feel awe. He says they do, but they keep it to themselves. And we close on them looking at space. That ends. Seven seconds to go, Charlie. Good job. Yeah! Wow. Charlie, question for you. Have you ever shouted everything? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I thought, for some reason, I thought um, answering emails in all caps in the first ever emails that I sent was really funny and not tedious. Oh, God. (laughs) It turns out it was tedious. God, how old were you then? I mean... 1920? God, 20-year-old sounds like a dick. We've covered this before in the Star in the Lord of the Rings thing. Yes, 20-year-old Charlie was a dick. So I loved seeing the brightness of the Enterprise. I'll come to love that more in Strange New Worlds. Yep. Um, what is it with Americans and Gilbert and Sullivan? I don't know. It's so weird for it. Also, they call aubergines eggplants. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to do that in my script. (laughs) The trouble is, every time I think of aubergines, I just think of the one goodness gracious me sketch, which has, like, the old granny whose solution to everything is one small aubergine. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Good. Goodness gracious me was the best back in the late ninety late nineties. I, I have Rihanna and I have laughed perpetually, cackled like lunatic with the sketch of them going out for an English. <laughs> <laughs> What's the blandest thing on the menu? <laughs> oh my word. Oh my days. Yeah. It was. God. It was good fun. But yeah, this was alright. It was a bit kind of. We've got a new Spock let people acclimatize to him and let's kind of explain why he's a bit different from the cage yeah he's good he gets better even peck definitely gets better una is delightful yeah she's good fun i think very much as the kind of the nerd who doesn't entirely know how to have fun uh rolls up in strange new worlds a bit um yeah it was fine i think it was a bit of nothing Compared to a lot of, the it's others. like a little, it's a little character bit. It yeah. feels like a sketch, which goes on maybe three minutes too long, and then they kind of forgot to put some jokes in. Yeah, yeah. If you met him in a, a more a less decompressed television show, you'd get this as just a bit. You know, you'd have this for a few minutes, and then the actual content of the episode. I did have to show this to my wife um, when we watched the second episode of season two of Strange New Worlds when Una is on trial. So the line where Spock reveals the secret he knows about Una is her penchant for Gilbert and Sullivan has context. And that's a that's a nice little moment. It is. It is. Um, yeah. Even so, I'm tempted to put this at the bottom of the list because I think I preferred... Oh, everyone, quickly, list. You know lists. They're great. Our top of the list of the short treks, our short list, is Calypso, featuring a thousand years in the future discovery. And our worst of the list isn't actually bad. It's Runaway, featuring Tilly and an alien almost queen. So, I yeah. would have to agree with you. Yeah, it's it's fine. And just makes me want to see more Strange New Worlds. Anyway, we're not watching more Strange New Worlds. We're watching some short treks. And what's the next one, Miles? It is episode two, season two, The Trouble with Edward, at 10th of October 2019. Written by Graham Wagner and directed by Daniel Gray Longino. The US and UK number ones were UK Tones and I with Dance Monkey. Very catchy. I admit that as I was walking home listening to this, um, I was kind of nodding my head to the beat. Yeah, bopping along. And we have, once again, Lizzo with Truth Hurts. Yeah, not a greatest, but still good. So, Miles, you have two minutes. As soon as I get my clock up, one second. Uh, right, so, tell us, what is the trouble 
with Edward. Well, Lynn Lucero, who is a science officer on the Enterprise, but is now being transferred to her own command on the USS Cabot um, to offer aid to Prejean 63, a planet on the edge of Klingon space facing a starvation crisis. Captain Lynn gets right down to it and calls a meeting where everyone is talking about how they plan to sort out the food problem, except there's one guy, Edward Larkin, who is awkward and is obsessed with Tribbles. He thinks that Tribbles could be a um, a very good source of food, especially if you cook them and make them into burgers and sell them with little pun names. But the thing is, Tribbles, funnily enough, they don't breed that quickly. But don't worry, Edward has a plan. He's going to use genetics to um, accelerate the Tribble's mating cycle. Stick a pin in that. He ends up just annoying the new captain uh, because he's basically saying we could breed the species to be it. And La- you know, Lucio is like, um, are they intelligent? And uh, Edward's like, I don't know. They're just balls of fluff. After the meeting, uh, Larkin does what any guy in a workplace who says that men don't gossip do, which is complain about their boss. And then it turns out that he's actually been sitting in, you know, time passes, and Captain Lynn calls for Edward, who has been sending anonymous messages to Starfleet saying that she's dumb and she should be replaced because she doesn't like his plan. Lynn is not happy about this, and... Oh. oh, oh, alarm. Well, one second. Right, what's Lynn not happy about? Go. Well, Lynn's not happy about the fact that Edward's a gigantic jerk who's talking about her behind her back and then sending um, anonymous messages to Starfleet saying that she should be replaced as captain. So Lynn's right, right. When we get it to the next Starbase, we are getting you off the ship. You're being transferred. Edward does, you know, reacts to this like every um, mature guy who definitely doesn't spend a lot of time referring to females on Twitter as females and decides, that, you know, what, my triple plan where I accelerate their breeding, I'm going to do that despite the fact my boss told me not to. And now triples breed like not like rabbits, they breed like triples. They're just li- triples are literally popping out of other triples and they're overwhelming the ship. Like, you know, meanwhile, the rest of the crew are, are trying to struggle with the triples with with phases and stun them and eventually getting like a huge vacuum to just suck up the little buggers. But it's not working. The triples are growing so fast that they are overwhelmed the ship to the point where the ship will explode. Lynn calls for the crew to evacuate. And everyone does, except Edward, who is smothered to death by tribbles which definitely is how someone wants to die in life and the last thing he says to her is that you shouldn't have said that i was dumb and lynn and the others escape and the the cabot explodes in a mass of tribbles um the klingons are annoyed because now the tribbles have settled on their home planets and started eating all their agriculture and in the debrief where she has to explain what the hell went wrong. Lynn just said, the guy's a dumbass. Wow. That's one minute 52 over, but what an episode. Charlie. Yes. Have you ever had that one coworker who thinks that they could do the job better than everyone else, but at no point do they show any actual aptitude or skill for the job at hand? Far too often. Working fairly transactional office jobs i've definitely had those kind of people that come in even at a lower level than you and go i know what's wrong with this i've not even trained you yet you don't know what any of this is but they will confidently fuck up endlessly i as a former uh supervisor at starbucks you do not want to know how many co-workers i've dealt with who try to deal who try and treat the job like it's the fucking borgers and try to undermine make themselves look good put you down and just generally present themselves as top dog in a job which is basically we make overly burnt poorly made coffee for extortionate prices and we indulge in union busting this is starbucks you don't need to be treating this like your marcus aurelius wow so does this like were they getting up in like a grimer worm tongue type situation there 
or or were they just trying to go to the top, trying to be top dog? I, I think they were just trying to be top dog. And the, the thing is, like, I had this great method of dealing with them, which they didn't like, which was I, I was good at my job and I really didn't care about, like, getting promoted. I just came in, did the job, and every two weeks I got paid, which apparently pisses people off because, eh. So, work horrors aside, this... This was a fun episode, and it's got Alita from the old Battle Angel Alita. It, it does, movie. and it's also got Sterling Archer, uh, Bob's Burgers himself, H. John Benjamin, who's playing the titular Edward. Oh my God, he is—he is worryingly good and familiar as that kind of that guy from your work, you listener at home. All of you have that guy. Yeah, God, he's so brilliantly, confidently awful. And, like, we didn't need a, an origin of Tribbles. Far too often we say, like, oh, we don't need a, a dark origin of why Picard is the way he is. We do need this. This is very silly. The, the dark origin of the Tribbles is basically being some guy is pissed off that a woman is his boss. Is not what I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah, God. And you pointed out something I'd completely missed when I saw it the other day, which is the post-credit sequence. Oh, yes. The post-credit sequence, which we have an advert for a Tribble-themed, an in-universe advert for a Tribble-themed, a Tribble breakfast cereal. Oh, dear God. That's horrible. So, Charlie, given your, your record on finding that Tribbles are basically body horror creatures did this episode increase or decrease your opinion that tribbles are lovecraftian evil spawn i feel entirely validated validated okay yeah yeah i mean that's the thing these like we we get to see the breeding and the the growing of them now because (laughs) have got on that much so yeah uh yes horrible and uh yeah deservingly this this was although this was worth it for the triple vacuum. Oh my god, loved seeing the triple vacuum. That was very good. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this one. It managed to be very silly while seeming serious as serious and in universe as anything else. Yeah. Again, it feels like those things that would become lower decks, where it's it's able to love Star Trek, but also have a lot of a lot of fun with it. Yeah. So, Miles, where do you reckon this belongs on our big list? I am gonna say, um I, I'm gonna say this is probably like number two for me after Calypso. Yeah. Yeah. I I was thinking it's going to be in in the top two, definitely. Um yeah. Because like it's it's fun. I feel it does something different to a lot, like a lot of the the short treks and triple vacuum, triple vacuum, triple vacuum. Though I think that's going to be my industrial post punk band name. Nice. Okay. Well, next we have episode three of season two, titled "Ask Not." This aired on the fourteenth of November, twenty nineteen. Written by Kalinda Vasquez, directed by Sanji Sanaka. The UK hit was Tones and I. We've covered that one. The US hit, Louis Capaldi, someone you loved. Hate this one. The music video has Peter Capaldi looking sad. So as a Doctor Who fan, I was kind of morally obligated to watch the video and think it's brilliant. Yeah, they made a new one where he's just moping about like an idiot. Oh, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, 2021 was a year I don't want to relive. No. Oh, my, no. Uh, so, on that note, let's not relive that. Let's relive some new disaster with Ask Not. Ask Not for how much time you have left in the timer. It's two minutes, four seconds. Go! Yes! So, Starbase 28. There's a yellow alert and all the lights are flashing red. Confusing? Ah, well, we're kind of used to it now. The wall screen be- behind Cadet Thera Sidhu explodes. Why does Starfleet keep filling their panels with explosives? Too late. Can't answer that yet. A masked prisoner is brought in and handed to Sidhu after an attempt at a mutiny. He's got a weird black mask covering his entire head and neck. The crew aren't allowed to see this guy. He's a mutineer. The mask's taken off and the camera's shy about showing him off at first. But oh no, it's Captain Pike. Pike explains his mutiny 
and that he was there to help the USS Bowman. It's in danger of the Tholians took it over. Hey, this cadet, this cadet has um, family over on the Bowman, a husband. They were both the only survivors of a Tholian attack, and they couldn't get commissions on the same ship. He wants to be set free and wants to help the Bowman, and Sidhu says no. Uh, he tries to throw loopholes at her about the rules, and she refuses, saying revenge shouldn't be a factor on these decisions. He tries pulling rank, and that doesn't work. She pulls a phaser on him when he heads to the door, and she's ready to shoot. Then the lights go back on. She's passed the test. Given how stressful this is, she's got some chill time. Her husband's been given some shore leave and is heading over to the Enterprise. This was not just a test. It was Una's idea. Of course, it was Una's idea. Uh, Sid asks for Phaser that she was given operational, and Pike evades the answer, giving that trademark kind of smile that he has, and then leaves, and we will never see her again. The end. Ten seconds. Yeah. Okay, Charlie. Yes. Have you ever, in a job, been given a gun and a co-worker and said, watch this guy, shoot him if he... Uh... If he steps out of line. No, no, I was, I did use a replica version of Sting for that. Um, that's the closest that I came. I I assume you've had this experience quite often in Starbucks. Even the fact I live in America, no. Wow. I know. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, it. it's an interesting thing. We never see her again. American, American gun control is not interesting. It's horrifying. No, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's, yeah, sad and horrifying more than anything else. Ask Not is kind of interesting as a fun little test of a character we've not seen before. Uh, obviously, Pike isn't mutineering or anything like that. But, yeah, it's just a nice little two-hander. We've got some good dynamics in a, in a tiny room. And, um, yeah, Anson Mount seemed very proud of the appear of the uh of this mini episode on his commentary, even saying about, yeah, you know, we go through testing um like courage, logic, rules, what is it duty, intellect, emotion, and courage um just in a just in this short conversation. It's quite nice. The Federation has a lot of time to just go, okay, let's just set up these very complicated tests of character. Because clearly they don't have, like, Starfleet Academy has nothing better to do. Like, you know, you want to do, like, a, a small interview? Like, maybe a one-on-one -on -one consultation? No! We're going to fake a mutiny, and we're going to trick him into, into believing that shit's gone wrong as a test of character. Hell yeah, post-scarcity world. We've got time for this kind of, like, prisoner-level tests. Like, this is why HR exists. I mean, not here. We <laughs> we just saw the trouble with Edward. <laughs> we know that if there is HR, it is asleep at the wheel in Starfleet. Uh, apparently, the post-scarcity world um, has got ha didn't get rid of lawyers, but it did get rid of human resources. Yeah, that's that's a weird combination. Um, yeah, the mask was cool. Apparently it was practical until it, it peeled off. Um, it felt like one of those, this feels like it should be used for more than just this. Yeah, you know, we, we come up with this, we want to use it again to justify the expense. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty rad. Um, yeah, it, it was fine. It was, as I said, nice two-hander. Yeah, where do you think it goes on the big list? Oh, shit. I mean, over above or below Runaway, I'm thinking. It's in our, our penultimate slot currently. Like, I prefer Escape Artist. Yeah. Even our Anson Mount. Like, I, if you'd have told me the guy that played Blackguard Boltagon in ABC's Disney's Marvel's The Inhumans, I would never have... that he was a good actor and that you, you would end up loving him as, a, as, a, as an actor, as a person. I would never have believed you. Um, I would have to say better than Runaway. Yeah, it's got some nice drama to it. And again, yeah, he can act for pants off for anything. Yeah. So, well done, Mr. Mount. So, I keep tabbing over to the big list instead of to our show notes. Lovely. Anyway, we are halfway through. So, 
Uh, next up, we have Short Trek Season 2, Episode 4, A Frame and Dot. It aired on the 12th of December 2019, written by Chris Silvestri and Anthony Marinville, directed by lost musical composer Michael Giacchino, with Tones and I again for the UK as number one, and Post Malone with Circles for the US, looking like the skankiest night that there ever was in the music video. I, like, aside from what I heard in Spider Verse of his work, I, I don't have time for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yes. What I do have time for, though, is your recap of a frame and dot. So, two minutes starting now. F frame is a tardigrade, an adorable little space tardigrade who travels through space in the mycerial network, looking for somewhere warm to just lay a bunch of eggs for more tardigrades. And they found it. It's the starship USS Enterprise. And um, Ephraim scratches on board like a cat, while, um, while Khan is talking to Kirk and Spock in the medbay. Um, Ephraim, you know gets through the ship and sets off Dot, which is a, um, a, cl- like a security drone who, you know, it starts, who starts chasing Ephraim off the ship. Uh, Tom and Jerry style antics assume as Ephraim keeps getting on the ship and Dot keeps just brushing them out. And to the point that Ephraim finally gets into the engine room and, and finds that the engine's warm enough to lay, lay its eggs. Eggs are laid and immediately Ephraim gets chopped out by Dot. The Enterprise immediately goes to warp. Um, Ephraim warps after in 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 pursuit, and we see a lot of stuff that the Enterprise will get involved in, like a giant green hand and Abraham Lincoln, and eventually ending with um, the Enterprise being attacked by a Klingon ship over the. Oh no! It's Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. I know what happens oh, no. to to the Enterprise in this film, and so now we know it's a race against time because Ephraim has to save the has to save the eggs. Dot keeps getting in the way and gets Ephraim off the ship just as the ship is about to self destruct. But Dot saves the eggs and realizes that Ephraim wasn't a threat to the Enterprise; it was just trying to protect its babies. And now they're all a nice big. Happy family with their space tardigrade children. The end. Nice. Oh, what what a nice progressive modern family. And yeah, I'll say that's probably two seconds over. But yeah, yeah, this was fun. Okay, um, little bit of trivia. Uh, the narrator. Yeah. It was Kirk Thatcher who plays the punk in Star Trek Four. Oh my god. Wow. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh. That's cool. Um yeah, god, I ended up finding a list of the things referenced here. It's Space Seed, Trouble with Tribbles, Naked Time, Who Mourns for Adonais, Doomsday Machi- Machine, Folian Web, Savage Curtains, Star Trek 2: The Wrath of Khan, and Star Trek 3: The Search for Spock, and of course, Discovery with the whole mycelial network kind of thing based tardigrade yeah yeah and later on dot like the dot units will end up in discovery as well um like this this was all cg animated and it was just really good it was just fun it's sweet i want a little i want a little plushy tardigrade now yeah it was it felt pixarish like the quality of the animation was it was fine. It maybe wasn't quite there to that level, but it it worked very well for for the main characters here, and um, and yeah, it was just a nice little chase, and um, yeah, hopefully they're off living their best lives. Yeah, somewhere nice and warm. Yeah, yeah. God, hopefully the engine of a ship that won't blow up. <laughs> hopefully. All right. So, where do you think this will go on the big list? Oh, God. Uh yeah, it's it's tricky. Looking at these, I think it's probably in the upper half. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I a lot of the original series stuff is uh, are things that I've yet to see. Um, 
I don't know. Maybe what? Do we want it? Just look at I'm hovering around the escape artist at the moment, thinking possibly a little above that because it was adorable and fun. But um, yeah, those first three are still still feel substantial. Yeah. How about you? I I would have to agree. Cool. So that puts it at our new number four on the list. So we have two episodes left. Um, we have episode five of season two, The Girl Who Made the Stars, which aired on the 12th of December 2019. So the music is exactly the same as last time. This one, however, was written by Brandon Schultz and directed once again by Olatunde Asansami. I apologize in advance for the editing um, with that. Or, you know, just leave my stumbling over words. Um, so, right. This time it's back round to me. My last one of the episode. So, uh, I'm rubbing my hands together. I should actually look at the script. Okay. So, you ready to go? Yeah. And go. Ooh, we're on a space station. There's a storm in space. Oh, no. A young Michael Burnham wakes up after a bad dream. She can't get sleep even with the giant plushy tardigrade that she's got. Her dad, Mike Burnham, tries to assure her that everything's all right. And he decides to tell her the story of the girl who made the stars. In Africa, a long time ago, there was a sun but no stars, making night times terrifying. That and a giant snake called the Night Beast. A girl who coincidentally looks like Michael Burnham suggests maybe travelling out and seeing what's up. The elders are not a fan of this, as it might anger the Night Beast. Um, she and a firefly head off and travel together until the firefly gets away when the darkness appears she hides from the snake and sees a distant light crashing to earth some kind of alien i think uh the alien shows her a big projection of the galaxy visible from outside the valley and it flies off leaving her a kind of ball uh she opens it and lets out the stars which fill the night sky and from that point the people of the valley were never scared of the night again and of course she became queen the story's over michael's got the point though doesn't need her light light anymore mike leaves although it does look a bit like he still left the night light on or something there's something glowing in the background anyway michael goes to sleep dreaming of the queen fighting the snake the end 26 seconds to go yeah, well, Miles, I've got a question. Yeah, was this a Star Trek? Well, it has, you know, it's uh, it's it's got the name on the branding. Kind of, it's got fan favorite a frame in it, and and you know, Michael Burnham moves around. Right. Michael Burnham, like I, I feel it's trying. It's very much trying to emulate how like African myths are told. Yeah, but I I don't from like my research it doesn't look like it's taken from any one particular myth. No, I couldn't see anything uh, that would back that up. And you know, we may be wrong. We are, you know, again, two cis white guys in America and the United Kingdom. So um, yeah, if anyone cares to correct us, please do. But um, yeah, this like it's animated fine. It's. It looks all right. It just, yeah. It yeah. was the shortest of them, and it feels almost justified in that. It looks nice. Like the story itself is is fun, but I'm I'm just kind of sure where it's sort of connected. Yeah, yeah. You know what? If like they had like the budget for two yeah. animated episodes, and the cast and like the the crew and team would felt well, why don't we? Why don't we just do this? Like why yeah. don't we? Ex why don't we kind of experiment? Like why can we experiment with like the with you know, we we have this? We can just put like a Star Trek framing device around it, and like we you know it's like yeah it you know it looks you know, like it looks good. It's like a fun little cartoon short. Hmm. It just feels I'm not sure. It just kind of it does feel sort of disconnected from Star yeah. Trek as a whole. Like it doesn't give any kind of insight into Burnham as a character. 
No. I was saying about Tilly not learning and growing, like, not being kind of directly evolving or anything from Runaway. This feels more so. It's, as you say, it looks nice, and it's more exciting than if they did a CGI animation of people just chatting on a starship, I guess. Yeah. Um, or, or doing anything involving, um, you know, picking their nose. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... I mean, I, I kind of feel I've got a place for this. All right. Where is it? It's. I think it's going to be at the bottom. Yeah. On like, the right. Look, at least it has no child death machines, so it's a better. It's better than the actual last place in our list right now. Yes. Yeah. In the big list. Yeah. This is. Yeah. It's a thing. It exists. Q and A is a bit more exciting. Um. You know, you get to meet Spock. Uh, for the first time. So uh, that brings us to the finale of our short treks. An episode which has evaded me a lot. Because when I, I picked up a Blu-ray of this. I was like, yes, we can do this for casual track. And then I realized it was nine episodes. And it didn't have Children of Mars, the final episode on here. Luckily, Paramount Plus had it. Unluckily, it spent half of the t- first time I attempted to watch it just doing a little spinny wheel of death and then crashing. Oh, lovely. Eventually, I got there. And I maybe mark it down for that experience, which is entirely their fault. Anyway, uh, yeah. So what is Children of Mars anyway, Mars? Well, isn't it a film um, with... Uh, no, that's... Uh... That's Children of Men. Okay, I think it's the third Dune novel where um, Leto 2 and um, Paul Atreides' other kid get into weird psychic mishaps in the third Dune. No, that's Children of Dune. Oh, oh, I know. It's the shockingly good third series of Torchwood, which, given the, the shaky first couple of series was surprising and being good and it would never get that way again um isn't children of mars like the storyline everyone thought was going to happen with the x-men when they're being kind of underwritten in the marvel universe where all the x-men would move to mars during the whole like x-men versus inhumans era oh my god you could do like a generation x but for for the modern mars kind of araco x-men kind of thing by do- calling it Children of Mars or something. But anyway, this isn't a hypothetical uh, thing or any of those. Um, yeah, it's um, it's kind of a prequel to Picard. It aired on the 9th of January, 2020. It was written by Kirsten Beyer, Alex Kurtzman and Jenny Lumet. It was directed by Mark Pellington. Uh, the UK number one hit was Stormzy with own it and oh no Sheeran's back is reversing the performer guest person from earlier in in this short run of short track uh coverage it's i don't know i've never been i've never followed stormzy um but it's certainly got some Sheeran on it stormzy sounds like a guy you would know from brighton yeah yeah or south london Yes, yeah, from that. It's 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 fine, even though it's what Sheeran. Was that? What was that attempt at South London? That sounded almost Australian. Look, I've been in this country. I see if London. I've I've been in America too long. That's all right. Okay, the US one is one we no. both refused. No, no, no. You've worked retail. I've worked retail. We've all been in shops from the month of October through to the end of December we have all heard Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You we're not going back we're not going back to it not willingly this this is the um it's not the worst Christmas song ever mm. it's um it, it's that's Bob Geldof's Do They Know It's Christmas Time Live Aid um tax write off um which, my God, like the levels of paternalistic Western colonialism is immense and arrogant, even for Bob Geldof. And then there's um, then there's Paul McCartney's 
Christmas song. Mm. Yeah, like, uh, no, 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 no. It's not like it's not the worst, but God, I just have a pal- I have a Pavlovian reaction to it now. Fair, entirely fair. So to spare us all from more of that, Miles, take us to Mars, starting now. Right. So Arnold Schwarzenegger is a construction worker who buys a holiday, which is actually gonna be a fake holiday implanted into his brain, where it turns out he's a secret agent who is who has to go to Mars and actually do the spy thing. But the thing is, you're never sure whether or not he's actually a secret agent who was made to be a construction worker or a construction worker who's trapped in the illusion. Um, but look, it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger film from the 80s. It's going to be real. Sharon Stone says, oh, wait, no. That's total, <laughs> that's total recall. <laughs> I was wondering if you'd go for full two on it. <laughs> okay. All right. Wow. Anyway, okay. Don't, don't start me. Don't start me again. Um, okay. Okay, Children of Mars. Um, you know when we have like slow down versions of eighties pop songs which sound like meant to sound deep and emotionally resonant? Well, Heroes by David Bowie plays, sung by Peter Gabriel. There are these two girls whose parents work on Mars and on an orbital platform around Mars. And like their parents aren't coming home for first contact day. So they're both pissed off and they just get into each other's they get into each other's at orbits and they just kind of keep pissing each other off. They keep bullying each other until it gets to actual full out brawling. They're put in space detention. And then then there's an attack on the Martian shipyards, which is presumably kills both their parents. And then we see a picture of John Luke Picard looking sad because this is a tie-in to Picard and the two girls hold hands and it's really sad because you know they were they were separated by their anger but now brought together in their grief amazing one second to spare even with that tangent amazing work uh yeah yeah this i remember it being touted as hey this is going to be our our lead like a big picard linked kind of thing yeah it's it's a whole lot of Nothing, really. Uh, hey, guess what? Kids are shitty even in a post-scarcity future. Well, kids are gonna be kids are gonna be kids. They are, they are. Um, yeah, God. So so rarely the fights that I got in were actually in the classes. It was generally the moment that you are no longer visible to a teacher. I I think the one um fight I actually had at school was in the corridor outside my science lesson. Ah. Where I punched a kid in the face. Yeah. Um I went to a school in Whitehawk. So uh yeah, there were yeah. far more fights. Uh, it's probably like Double Dragon or Escape from New York in Whitehawk. Basically that, yeah, yeah. I've I've left my heart and several teeth <laughs> in uh in Whitehawk. At least you were in a school in Moscow. I mean, I don't know. My brother did his teacher training there, and the primary school was apparently all right. No, oh, well, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh. But anyway, anyway, this episode, yeah, there's, like, I tried looking up if the species that one of the girls was was in uh, Star Trek outside of this, and apparently not. Uh, oh, I think later maybe in Discovery. Okay. Um, and that's about it. Um, yeah, we don't see Picard because he's not doing he's not doing this bonus content. We just see a pic. We just see some artwork of Picard. Very much a still image, which in a, a future that they've made show everything super whizzy and animated and all of that feels quite quite specific. But Picard could not answer. You, you could have had, like, a cardboard cutout or maybe, like, some stock footage or just some B-roll from Picard. Yeah. This, I... Uh, I don't like to use the word pretentious. I mean, it's got a so Peter Gabriel version of heroes. Of, of heroes, yeah. It, this, this is just trying too hard to be deep. Yeah. And just doesn't work for me. Well, it's the problem of Picard in general, of that want of being a deep prestige drama. And, um, yeah, like, 
so many i know there's a whole thing where you get um trailers that use kind of slightly lingering ominous covers of musicians and a lot of the time it's right stuff and things like that but this uh i know it's peter gabriel so it's not just some music studios in-house kind of thing but specifically do albums of covers of people's tracks to use in trailers to go hey i vaguely know this but i did go hey i know this when i saw this and i was trying to place why is this heroes like because um I don't know, Ashes to Ashes wouldn't work. I mean, yeah, it's... Mm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Having um, a slow, somber version of Ashes to Ashes, fun to funky. We know Major Tom's a junkie. See, it's kind of halfway there. It wouldn't really work as the kids are, are holding hands and crying. Scary monsters? Maybe. Maybe. Um, fashion. Fashion. Slide to the left. Fashion. Slide to the right. Yeah, you could do that with the fight in the in the. We class. are the goon squad and we're coming to town. Beep, beep. <laughs> yeah, so you can tell we, we loved this episode. It, it, at least it wasn't one of the ones from station to station where Bowie gets a little, where the Finn White Duke got a little fashy. Oh, oh dear. Some best, best looked over elements there. So, yeah, Children of Mars. It's fine. It's not really, it doesn't really accomplish much the trailer. Yeah. Like, you know, it. it's not as if the reason why the human girl doesn't like the alien girl is kind of space racism it's just like she she was had they were both having a bad day and they bumped into each other and she missed the shuttle which why do you have a shuttle in a world where you can have where you have transporters like you think that would you you could just beam someone to school it just feels like it's trying too hard and yeah it it just feels pretentious yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, what's the story of this that carries over to Picard? Some synthetics blow up Mars, like Utopia Planitia and communities on Mars. And we got that already, like in Picard proper. I, I have a question. Did you find it weird that the one guy clearly had like a blue, co like a, a blue collar dock worker's job and like seemed to be like, oh, no, I can't make it. I'm busy at work. I can't make it home for the holidays because, like, I've got to work in my post-guest utopia. Oh, maybe that's for fashion. Maybe. You know, uh, what is it? The, the lunar series, like Wolf Moon and that. You've got people that synthetically print out different clothing and pick random styles from history because they can just print anything. So, yeah, you don't have fancy clothes and not fancy clothes aside from, you know, we're going to a party and we're all going to dress like, I don't know, miners or something. <laughs> oh, 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 what a card. Oh, oh I know. What, a, what a lark. But I think this is going to have to be bottom of the list for me. Hell yeah. Because, like, at least Girl Who Made the Stars, you, you do have a story. Like, yeah. you have the story within a story, which is like, which is entertaining. Well, this is, I don't want to say a film student's tone poem, that they did as an end-of-term project, but film, film student short tone poem as a end-of-term project. Oh, oh, I know we said Calypso was like the start of a halo or something. This could have been... An episode of Delgrassi? Degrassi, no. Um, Grange Hill? No, like a trailer for a Gears of War or some kind of video game that wants to be pretentious, going, look, you've got these kids... You've got this monument, there's an explosion, then you cut, and suddenly, oh, big guys with guns. It's No, no, it's like that one commercial for Halo 3, where you have, oh, like, God. the big model, and you've got yeah. the people in the museum talking about, like, they were there when the Master Chief threw the grenade. Yeah, when he did the thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, that kind of, you've got this moment, 
Oh no, little girls are sad in school. Who's going to stop these synthetics from blowing up a Mars and coming to Earth and blowing up Earth? It's dudes with guns. Oh no, no. See, you have the whole short film and then you end just end Fortnite. Oh no. <laughs> or Overwatch 2. Oh. Oh dear, oh dear. God, speaking of Halo and Halo 3, when I was in the tunnel that goes betwixt the top of Elm Grove and Whitehawk and, well, the kind of hill up there. Um, I remember when I was walking the dog and there was one bit of graffiti that stood out and it said, remember Reach. And it took me a second. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I've not been to Whitehawk the whole area in at least a decade. It was like, wow, this place has changed. Right. So with under five minutes to go, this was casual trek where we did the short treks. We were as short as we could be. Um, yes. And you can find us online at the Nerd and Tie site, the Nerd and Tie Discord, on Kofi. Uh, where you can sling us some money and we'll cover something in a slightly longer format for you. Or on Blue Sky at Casual Trek. You can find him at mareadlobato.wordpress.com for his blog. And M.A. Reed Lobato? Miles Reed Lobato? M.A. Reed Lobato on Blue Sky. Oh no, it's Miles Reed Lobato on Blue Sky. Oh my god. We can find you at a place called Sky Shark. Yes, just look for Sky Shark, and there I will be. <laughs> like like a slightly doughier Batman. Yeah, far, far doughier, sadly. Um, yeah, so that's it from us. Next time, we're going to do something a bit more casual to calm down from all of this. So, with that in mind, go to a Starfleet, don't blow up Mars, and finish off that other half of a jelly baby, I guess. Bye-bye now. Bye. You've been listening to Casual Trek by Charlie Etheridge Nunn and Miles Reed Lobato. Music by Alfred Etheridge Nunn. Casual Trek's part of the Nerd and Tie Network. And if you want to support us monetarily, because you love what we do that much, you can now do that by going to Coffee and looking up Casual Trek. There's a link in the show notes.